Good evening, folks. It's good to see you, each and every one of you. We have uh, we've got some good news from Smithville this afternoon. I took Branch and uh, and Nason up there with me to go check on everybody at camp. They're having a wonderful time. They've had uh, seven professions of faith there at camp, and uh, so we're we're excited about that. And uh, they had two uh, brothers that were baptized this morning. And then there were two that were also baptized this afternoon. And uh, we'll show you a video of that uh, next Sunday morning during our worship service. And let you be able to celebrate with them and the decisions that they've made to follow Jesus Christ. And uh, something I, I thought about this afternoon. If you remember last Sunday morning I had you circle some names from that survivor list to pray for. I'm curious, if uh, next Sunday morning comes around and you see some of those boys and hear their names, um, let me know if you were praying for them. I just have a feeling that there's probably something connected there, all right? So it's, uh, it's good to see you tonight. We're going to begin with a couple of songs of worship, and uh, then we have a special treat. Um, we're going to do something a little bit dif- different for our Dive Deeper study in here in the sanctuary tonight. Uh, Dr. Bob McGee is going to sing a solo for us. Um, that will lead into our study in here. And then after, uh, after Nick has led us in a couple hymns of worship and Dr. Bob has sung, then we'll go ahead and break out into our dive deeper groups this evening. Would you pray with me as we worship together? God, we thank you so much for this time we have to come together tonight and to praise you and also to seek you. God, we thank you for the sacrifice that you provided through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the life he lived, for the death that he died, and also for the new life that we have in him when he rose from the grave. Would you be with us tonight as we worship you, as we study your word, as we learn how you would have us to live as your people in this world. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. sing all four verses. Thou hast 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want.
of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days. It is time for our dive deeper group. So, kiddos, you get to go with Mr. Drew and Mr. Bryson and Miss Monty tonight. And if you are part of the Experiencing God group, you get to go with Steve Corder. All right. And teenagers, you'll get to stay in here for dive deeper into worship with me tonight since Coy is up at, at camp in Smithville. And as they're, they're headed out, thank you to Dr. Bob McGee and Miss Diane Midkiff for accompanying him tonight. We, uh, we're going to look at Psalm 23 for our dive deeper into worship tonight. And uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is how the psalm begins. And really, all of the words that Dr. McGee just sung in that song are the words of Psalm chapter 23. In fact, the book of Psalms in the Old Testament is really the Hebrew hymn book. All right, so you guys see the, the blue hymnals on the back of the pew in front of you there? Some of you are very aware of those, know exactly what they are. Uh, others of you are like, what is this blue book? That's a, that's a blue book that is not a Bible, it's actually a hymnal. Uh, so inside those hymnals, there are songs that we sing and praise to God to honor and to glorify Him. And that's what we use in our day and time in this church building. But the Hebrews, the Old Testament, also sang songs. They weren't in English, they were in Hebrew. And many of them knew those songs 
from growing up, they would sing them in their homes. They would sing them in synagogue when they went to worship. They would hear some of those psalms sung at the temple. And later on during Israel's history, um, most likely a fellow by the name of Ezra um, followed up with an initial collection of David and some that followed him in the royal household to compile the book of Psalms. In fact, the book of Psalms is 150 chapters long, but there are actually five separate books that make up the book of Psalms. And you might not be aware of that, but if you're ever looking through the book of Psalms and you see book one, book two, book three, book four, book five, it's actually five volumes that were put all into one. And these were, uh, these were words that would be read, but more importantly, they were songs that would be sung. So just think about this for a minute. You were able to hear the words of a psalm sung through tonight. And it sounded a little bit different from the songs that appear on the radio today, right? But it was still, it was really good, wasn't it? And that in part is because Dr. Bob is such a good singer and Diane can play really well. But it's also because the song itself is, is beautiful. And as the Old Testament Hebrews would go through the Psalms and even into the New Testament period as they would reflect back upon the book of Psalms, they wouldn't just read these things and study them and split them apart and try to figure out the nuances of all the words. They would sing the Psalms through in praise and worship to God. So just stop and think about that for a moment. Whenever you hear the book of Psalms at church, you think oh, somebody's going to preach or somebody's going to read, right? But if the Hebrews heard psalms, they knew somebody's singing today, right? They would sing them together. They would also read them as well. But in the book of Psalms, um, we're going to go from chapter 8 last week to chapter 23 tonight and discover who the Lord is to us and who we are as His people. Psalm chapter 23 is one of the most well-known chapters, not just in psalms, but in all of the Bible, all right? How many of you have, have uh, memorized Psalm chapter 23? All right, good group of you have. So here's how it starts, verse 1. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now this is going to be an easy question for you, but I want you to get in tune with how we're thinking and how the psalmist was writing. Who is the Lord? According to verse 1. The Lord is what? He is a shepherd. What does a shepherd take care of? Sheep. And so this is kind of the metaphor that's not just kind of, it is the metaphor that's going to run throughout the psalm. We need to understand God as the shepherd, the one who takes care of his sheep, and we as his sheep, part of his flock, under his provision and protection, under his guard and his guide. The Lord is my shepherd. And because the Lord is our shepherd, we do not want. Now, this really is best understood as we do not have a need because God is taking care of us so well. He knows who we are. He's guarding us. He is guiding us. He's protecting us. He's providing for us. And so when it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want what David, the author of this psalm, is doing is reminding God's people that they have everything that they need in their shepherd. When the Lord is your shepherd, you don't need anything but Him. 
And here's why. He goes on to talk about why God is so good and his hand is so faithful as a shepherd. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Anybody ever seen a picture of sheep before? Where, where, what's going on in the background? What's the setting of the picture where you see the sheep? Are they out in a desert wasteland with no grass around? No, not, not any pictures I've seen anyway. They're in luscious green fields, growing grass that they can feast on. It almost looks like you, you could just go and stick you a lawn chair right there and just sit there all day long with a glass of sweet tea and watch it happen, right? This is a peaceful, serene scene. He makes us lie down in green pastures, and then it says, He leads me beside the quiet waters, or waters of rest. Waters where the sheep could go and be able to drink from a stream. It was a place where the rapids weren't running too quickly that would cause the sheep to drown or to fall in and get swept away by the current. It was a place where the streams were flowing ever so gently, but also so full that they need not thirst. Green pastures, the sheep would eat the grass. Still waters, the sheep would drink the water. The Lord provided for his own. The Lord provides for us. He gives us what we need. And then it goes on to say in verse 3 that he restores my soul. And he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He restores my soul. Not only does the Lord provide for us in a physical way, gives us what we need when we come to Him. Even in the Lord's Prayer in the New Testament, we see Jesus asking for daily bread. But the Lord also grants us what we need spiritually. He restores our souls. That is, He encourages us. He lifts us up. Many times a shepherd's job within taking care of his flock is not just to provide for the individual physical needs of his sheep, but to notice the behavior patterns and the social structure of the flock. My friend, Jason Cooper, growing up, his, his grandfather was a tired, retired, uh, he was tired too, but he was a retired Methodist minister, right? And, uh, and he had bought some sheep and some goats later on in life. They also had a donkey out in the field. They had some guineas for a while. It's kind of like this strange chicken-looking bird. Anyways, but I remember watching these sheep, and Henry Cooper, Jason's grandpa, knew every one of those sheep by name. Just every one of them. He knew what they were like. He knew how they behaved. He knew how they interacted with each other. And he knew even when some of them would get a little mad um, at each other, especially Big Billy. Big Billy was the was the man of the group, the alpha male of the sheepfold. And there were times when, uh, when Big Billy would uh, have a contest with another male in the group, and before they would eventually get rid of that other male because he and Billy just butted heads literally too often, there were times that Brother Henry would have to intervene with his flock. And there were times that he would have to take special care and tend some of those sheep within his own flock. The Lord restores the soul of his sheep in this sense. He takes care of our emotional needs. He takes care of our spiritual needs. He restores our soul. He does so. He guides us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. There were times when 
the sheep would have to move from one pasture to another, from one field to another, and they needed safe passage along the way. The shepherd's job was to go before his sheep and make sure that his sheep didn't run up um, on something dangerous. At times, there were the, the sheep would go on before the shepherd, but the shepherd would stand in the midst of the sheep, making sure that every one of them was following along with the sheep in front of the others. And then there were times the shepherd would actually go behind the sheep to hem in uh, his flock from any danger that may be following behind them. Whether it was uh, prey that was, or predators that were coming to attack the sheep as prey that he would have to guard his flock from. However he needed to, the shepherd would ensure that his sheep arrived safely at their destination. The Lord guides us. He guides us where we need to go. Each step that we take in our journey of faith with Him, He is giving us the pathway of peace along the way. And He does so. He guides us in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. The shepherd is known by how he takes care of his sheep. The Lord is the good shepherd. Jesus calls Himself the good shepherd in John chapter 10. When he says, the good sh- I am the good shepherd, and I give my life for the sheep. He guides us in paths of righteousness for his own name's sake. And as we talked about last week, God's name is majestic in all of the earth. David is writing Psalm 23, saying God's name is majestic because of how well he takes care of his flock. And then it turns into a... a Little little time period of darkness in verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. As a shepherd would guide his flock on a journey, there would be times when the valleys were places of vulnerability. Valley of the shadow of death, the psalmist describes. And these sheep, as they would journey along the way to their next pasture, their next point of of rest and refuge, the shepherd would have to guide them through some potentially dangerous places. And it's not because he wanted to do his sheep harm, it's because he needed to take them somewhere else. He needed to bring them further along in their journey to provide for them what they needed. But in order for them to get to that point, they had to go through some things that were rather difficult. In fact, if you uh, know anything about military um, history, or not military history in general, but just the way fights develop, you always want to take the high ground. The low ground is the place where you can be easily attacked, and it's the place where you can be overcome and overwhelmed and ambushed. The predators that would watch these sheep and these flocks moving would gather on the sides of the hills watching as they made their way through the valleys. But the psalmist says, I don't fear any evil, not because we are so strong as sheep, but because you, the good shepherd, are with me. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In verse 3, we saw how God guides his sheep. In verse 4, we see how God guards his sheep. The shepherd's rod and staff Some people have have talked about this as two different instruments that the shepherd would hold. Some people have talked about this as one item that the shepherd would hold with two functions. So maybe you've seen the the long staff with the crook up at the top. Um, This is probably the most often 
the common picture that's seen. Or maybe you remember after Dr. Norville and Adam Staples came back from uh, Lesotho, the, the little stick that Adam had with him. Do you remember what that was called? I meant to ask Adam, but I forgot. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a stick. It's probably about this tall. It's really hard. And uh, what, what those shepherds have done there in Lesotho is, has braided a cord and then wrapped it around at the top to serve as a handle where they could hold. And it's really just a stick to hit stuff with. And, uh, and so the, the way that shepherds would guard and guide their sheep with this one or with these two instruments, depending on who's right, is that they would use it to guide their sheep in the correct way, right? So if a sheep is going astray or wandering off, you take the crook of the, the staff and you pull it back in. You rein it back in and help the sheep to go in the right direction. But you could also use this stick to swat at mountain lions that were coming your way or to swat at wild dogs that would come and attack the sheep. You were supposed to guard and to guide your sheep as a shepherd. The Lord does the same thing with us. He guides us in safe passage, and he also guards us from evil. We don't have to fear because the Lord is with us. Verse 1 says we don't need to want because the Lord is our shepherd. Verse 4 says we don't need to fear because our shepherd is right there with us. His rod and his staff bring us great comfort. He guides us and he guards us. And this is really, should be understood as a, as a, a metaphor for our spiritual journey. In our walk with God. The valley of the shadow of death. There are times in life that life is just difficult. It's hard. There's trials that we have to go through. Our faith is tested. Our minds are stretched. Our horizon is broadened and expanded. But only through this almost eerie, thick darkness that you can feel as you walk through difficult situations and circumstances that you're surrounded with. But we don't have to fear during those times because God is right there with us all along the way. Understand there is never a place that you can go in your faith walk with God where God is not. In fact, you can't even really run away from Him. The prophet Jonah tried that. It didn't work out too well. We can trust that God has our best in mind because he is the good shepherd who guides us and who guards us. The valley of the shadow of death. The shadow would loom over the valleys. Has anybody ever been in a valley before amongst a mountain range? You know what happens down in the valley? The sun sets just a little bit earlier. It doesn't actually, but it feels like it. Because you can't see the sun over the mountains that are around you. It's darker down there. It's cooler down there. In fact, it's kind of scary in there sometimes. We need not fear spiritually because the Lord is with us. Even when we go through something like the death of a loved one. Or when Christians themselves are battling things like cancer. Or when it looks like the entire world is against them. We don't have to fear because God is right there with us. Then it goes on to say... you. Prepare a table before me, even in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Verse 5, I think still should be understood in this metaphor between a sheep and a shepherd. A shepherd and his own flock. There was a man by the name of Philip Keller that wrote a book called uh, Psalm 20, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. 
uh, he was a, uh, a shepherd in South Africa and would just take care of sheep. And he noticed, he was a, a Christ follower, and he noticed certain things about Psalm 23 and the relationship of a shepherd between a sheep and the way that God takes care of us upon our spiritual journey as Christians. And uh, it, it's a simple book, but it's really good. And in it, he talks about how in guiding his flock into the, the summer pastures, because in, in springtime, the, uh, the valleys would be nice and, and lush because the rains had come and the water had flown down from the, from the mountains with the snow melts. But in summertime, they would have to go up into a little bit of the higher ground, walking through dark and mysterious valleys and getting up to where the grass was still green and had still been growing and where the rainfall um, had, had, uh, had helped those plants grow in the spring, but nothing had eaten the vegetation. And so as he would bring them up on these little hillside pastures, he would notice that not only were the sheep still hungry in the summertime and spring had gone away, but also the predators were hungry because springtime had gone away. The easy game had been killed. The easy prey had been taken and so you would find mountain lions and wolves ready to devour these sheep and eat them for their next meal. But here's the beautiful picture. The Lord prepares a table even in the presence of our enemies. The Lord took care of his own sheep. Even, or the shepherd would take care of his own sheep even there in the midst of predators encircling them and around them. Verse 5 says, You have anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. Uh, this is a sign of divine choice and favor. When God would anoint somebody in the Old Testament times, it was a picture that God was with him, that he loved them, that his power was on them. When a shepherd would anoint a sheep, it was for practical purposes. Uh, Philip Keller in his book, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm, notes this, that the shepherd would actually anoint his sheep to keep the bugs and the gnats and the flies and the ticks and all those kind of things out of their, out of their wool and off of their face. And uh, it's still a common practice in this day and time as shepherds take care of flocks. In our own country, uh, people use pesticides and different things like that to rid their flocks of uh, a pest. But in third world countries, there's oftentimes shepherds that will still use oils to anoint their flocks to help the, the flies and the gnats and the bugs that are bothering them to go away. And then it goes on to say, you have, you have anointed my head with oil, and then it says that my cup overflows. Philip Keller noted uh, something interesting about this idea of the cup overflowing for the, sh for the sheep. Um, you guys think about feeding a dog or a cat and you got to put food in the bowl and you got to put water in the bowl and all kinds of stuff like that. Well, as, these sh as these sheep would be taken up into the upper hillside pastures, the streams that were in the valleys weren't present. They had to be able to have water of some form or some fashion. And so oftentimes what the shepherd would do is would go down and, and fetch some water and bring that with them on their journey. Or he would collect water during the summer rains, which are few and far between sometimes. But he would take a, a cup or a bowl and fill it up so that the sheep had plenty to drink from. And inside of this bowl, the oil would flow down off of the, the, the faces of the sheep. And it would cause the, the bowl to overflow even more so. And... Uh, I can't speak for the scientific validity of this, but I thought it was really neat. Philip Keller talked about how the oil, the same oil and stuff that he had mixed together to put upon the sheep's face, 
to take care of them from all the, the bugs and the pests around them would actually do something to help their digestive system as they swallowed and drank the water. It's a beautiful picture of how the Lord takes care of his own. Our cup overflows. And then he goes on to say, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Kind of putting the finishing brush strokes on this beautiful picture of sheep out following their shepherd and their shepherd in the midst of them. And I've commented before that it would be a good psalm if it stopped with the first phrase of verse 6, right? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. But that's not where David stopped writing this psalm. He said, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And then what does he say at the very end of verse 6? And what? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is wonderful. And this is where David goes from just painting the picture of God being a shepherd and God's people being his sheep to us being his people forever. Sheep are just like humans in this way. Every single one of them one day will die. They'll perish. They'll be gone. But people, people on the other hand, have this unique opportunity to continue relationship with God. We've been promised eternal life through God's son Jesus, the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep so that the sheep may live forever with their father who is in heaven. Jesus Christ is the sacrificial lamb of God who took our place and took our punishment. And when we believe that Jesus died for our sins and rose again, then we have eternal life with God. And one day, even though we're going to leave this earth, even though we're going to die, we're going to spend eternity with him in heaven. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What will we be doing there as we're gathered in his house forever? We'll be worshiping him. <coughs> we'll be worshiping him. We'll be singing songs like we did last week. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. We'll be in the new heavens and the new earth. We'll be singing about God's majestic name. I don't know if this will happen or not, but I imagine maybe Dr. Bob, maybe even King David himself will do a solo of Psalm 23. Wouldn't that be neat to hear? David talking about the Lord being the good shepherd, singing the very song he had written. It'd be wonderful. What about all of us? Will we be worshiping and praising God around his throne? Oh yeah. If we've trusted in his son Jesus, if we trusted that he died for our sins and rose again, yes, we will be. We'll be singing his praise forever. And it's not going to be some boring service. You know, people talk about worshiping God in heaven forever, and they're like, oh, I, don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> Look, you have not yet tasted the gloriousness of what this is going to be like. In fact, when you gather together with other believers and we sing praises to God, you get just a little glimpse of what heaven is going to be like. When the Lord's opening our hearts to speak to us, and He's showing us and reminding us of His wonderful grace that has saved us and set us free from our sins. You ever been in a worship service like that before? When you, you start to raise your hands a little bit and you're like, I don't really know why I need to do this, but I just feel like I need to praise the Lord and to worship Him. 
and you sing out loud even though you know you can't sing a solo like Dr. McGee, but it just there's something that comes over you and you just feel like, man, God's given me this voice and he's such a good God and he loves me so much. I just want to sing to him and to praise his name as I worship him. That's what David's talking about, dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. And what better place could there possibly be? I mean, think about it. If the Lord is truly our shepherd and we do not have need of anything, wouldn't the best place to be for eternity to be right there with him and he with us? This is a wonderful song of worship. The Lord is our shepherd. We don't have any need. We don't want. Goodness and loving kindness will follow us all the days of our lives and will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So here's my challenge to you as we wrap up this idea of deeper into worship tonight in Psalm chapter 23. Here's my challenge to you. Do you worship God? Do you worship God like He is the Good Shepherd, even here and now? Here's what I think was going on. A lot of people think David was just like looking back at his days as being a shepherd boy and taking care of his father's flock out in the fields. I think there was probably some reminiscing going on in his mind with some lessons God had taught him out there taking care of the animals. But I don't think David was just looking into the past. I think he was also looking into the future. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I I will not want. I, I don't have need. That is, he's looking into the future to see how great and glorious God is still going to be. So when we come in here in the sanctuary on Sunday mornings or Sunday nights, or when you come in here for youth group on Wednesday nights, or when you're gathered together with other believers in some type of worship service, here's what I want you to do. Here's maybe the next time we gather together, next Sunday morning, how about it, or Wednesday night, or Sunday night. Before you come into the sanctuary, before you go in the youth room, before you go in the choir room, I want you to close your eyes and just picture heaven. Will you do that with me real quick? Close your eyes. I want you to picture God on his throne in heaven. The God who is the only true God. Perfect light. No darkness, no shadow, no variation in his character whatsoever. In fact, it's so bright that you feel like you have to close your eyes or cover your face because it's just radiant. But at the same time, you you can't because you want to look at him because he is so awesome and wonderful. And you think, oh my goodness, how, how, how could I not want to spend time worshiping this one? And he's the one who made you and he's the one who sent his son to die for you. That's, that's him there seated upon his throne. He's reigning over everything. Everything's perfect. There's no longer any sin that's present. There's no longer any evil that's going on around you. People are gathered there with you as well. The environment is just pristine. There's no famine. There's no hunger. There's no violence and no wars. 
everyone is at peace because the king is reigning forever and ever. And as you just glance away from the throne just for a moment, you notice that you're not just seated with about 50 other students in a youth group or 100 other believers at church on a Sunday morning, but around you is gathered a multitude. The Bible calls it a throng. It's a big, fancy Bible word for a huge party going on where people that are like you and people that are different from you are all gathered around there looking at the same throne, worshiping the same God that you see. And it's people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. There's people with different skin color and people who speak different languages and people who think differently, and people who dress differently, and people who act differently than you do. But they all are there because they trusted that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for their sins and rose again. And as you turn your attention back to the one who's seated on the throne, you hear this awesome and majestic noise coming off of the lips and tongues of the people all around you. And though they speak different languages, it's almost like you're hearing these words cried out in unison and understanding everything as people are saying, Worthy! Worthy are you to be seated on the throne! For you have made all things. By your will they exist. And they were created. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who is, the one who was, the one who is to come. And as these people are singing God's praises, you are overwhelmed with a peace in your heart that passes all understanding. You are not worried about anything. You're not thinking about anything else. You are enjoying being in the Lord's presence in that moment and forever. You never want to leave because you are in perfect relationship with the people around you and with the one who's made you. And you cannot help but think, oh, Lord, you're God and you are good. And then your voice begins to join in with all of the others singing around you. As you give praise and honor and glory to the one who is seated on the throne. I challenge you to put that picture in your mind. The next time you come to worship. Because that's really what worship is. It's coming before God and allowing Him to transform your heart and your mind as you give your life to Him. When we worship together here at church, it ought to be just a taste of what is to come in the future. As David worshiped God out there in the shepherd's fields, he was getting just a taste, just a glimpse of what worship was going to be like in the future. You don't have to wait for heaven to go deeper into worship. You, as a believer in Christ, you, as a sheep in God's fold, can go deeper into worship here and now. But in order to do that, you have to understand God is the one seated upon the throne of heaven. And God is the shepherd who guards and who guides his sheep. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much for this time we've been able to spend together in your word tonight. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful picture David has provided us in understanding you as the good shepherd. 
and we your sheep. God, may we look to you in trust and in faith. We thank you for the way that you guide us and you guard us, for the way that you protect us and provide for us. And Lord, we pray that we would also have the picture in mind every time we come into this building of what true worship is, of your people gathered around your throne, declaring your worth and lifting your name high for eternity. God, would you change our hearts and adjust our attitudes just so we can get a taste of how wonderful it is to worship you because you alone are worthy. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Good to see you guys tonight. Um, I do have one word for you before we're dismissed. Uh, Mr. Jack Allison, most of you know, um, had uh, died yesterday. Uh, his, the details for his services are still forthcoming, but it looks like a visitation will be on Friday night, and then the funeral service will be Saturday. Uh, so please, uh, I think it'll be here. So, uh, so please pass word along when you hear the final details. We'll be sure to send out a, a church text on our text messaging service. Um, so be sure to get that word out. And I'll just plug this while we're here. If you aren't on our church text service, it's real easy to join. All you got to do is text uh, at WRChurch. Do I? Oh, you do? It may be up there. They may have a slide up there. I don't, I don't know. But all you have to do is text the at sign and then WRChurch. At sign WRChurch to 81010. And you'll, you'll be on there and you'll get text message updates from us. So you'll be able to know things that are going on. All right. So if you would keep the Allison family in your prayers. It's been wonderful to worship with you tonight. I hope to see you back at, on Wednesday at 6. And I hope that you'll go out this week worshiping the Lord and remembering that He is our shepherd. Have a wonderful evening.